Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. And another one gone, and another one gone. Another one bites the dust. It's high noon for Friday, August 20th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is www.cancelcouture.com. If your browser's having trouble, go direct to shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 212th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. Once again, you have justified your rampant, idiocy and bullying and narcissism and shame campaign with what you were told by the television. And once again, it has failed. Another big communist narrative has bitten the dust. All of the dust, just mouthfuls of dust. It's like you just unearthed a mummy from the depths of a great Egyptian pyramid and the mummy is still alive 
and coughs at you. Just all dust right in your face. And if you were sweaty on the way down to that mummy, well, now you've got a face mask of dust. (laughs) Wash your face, commies. Honestly, how does it keep happening to you, commies? How do you keep getting fooled by the media into believing that everyone in the country who doesn't agree with you is a domestic terrorist or a racist or a moron? How is it possible? And how is it that you are so convinced about that fact when every single thing you base that fact on turns out to be completely false? How is it possible, commies? Tell me that. How is it possible that you keep believing the television over and over and over again? At what point do you say, hey, maybe I just hate people and want to justify it and sound smart while doing it instead of just admitting that I'm an extremely hateful person? Can you get there, commie? I'm going to try to help you get there because what this is at bottom has become totally obvious. All right. You guys call everybody racists while talking about race all the time. And you do it while voting for a man who was mentored by a Klansman. All right. A grand Klegel and exalted Cyclops of the clan, Robert Byrd, that's the political mentor of Joe Biden. And you voted for Joe Biden so that you could solve racism. And of course, where is racism the biggest problem? Is it in the universities, commie? Of course not. Of course not, because that's absolutely, utterly absurd. And everyone with half a brain knows it. Then again, We're talking about you, commie. So it's not in the universities. Where else is it? Oh, it's in the inner city, right? Economically depressed urban environments. That's where the black and brown people are that are always having problems. Is it not, commie? You know, drugs, crime, lack of education, lack of access to resources, right? Those are the kinds of people you're so worried about. Aren't you, Kami? Who has power over those people, Kami? Who governs those areas? Oh, it's Democrats. Democrats, yes, Democrats. Members of the Democrat Communist Party who just so happen to be members of the party of the KKK. Crazy how that works. They're also members of the party of Jim Crow. And strangely, Joe Biden's political mentor, Robert Byrd, filibustered the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. That's crazy, though, isn't it, commie? I mean, you guys are the ones who talk about racism all the time. And you are absolutely certain that everyone except you is racist. So how is it that you voted for a man mentored by a Klansman and the people you always claim to be helping 
are the ones who are continually, perpetually hurt by the policies of the Democrat Communist Party, which you support. How does it happen, commies? And also, riddle me this, commies. How does it happen that those very same people are the ones that the Democrat Communist Party relies on to win elections every single time, right? Don't they get 90%, 95% of that vote? Isn't that what we're told, commies? Strange, though, right? Especially if it turns out that the Democrat Communist Party has been engaged in massive and rampant election fraud all over the country. I wonder whose votes they're stealing. Can you guess, Kami? Give me a guess, Kami. Oh, it's the same people. Oh, that's so crazy. Who would have ever guessed it? Oh, smart people? Not you. Got it, Kami. Thanks for playing. And it's kind of crazy, isn't it, Kami, that the black and brown people are the Democrat Communist Party base while they disagree with, by and large, almost every single thing the Democrat Communist Party believes in. Strange, huh? How does the Democrat Communist Party's platform align perfectly with massive corporations, global banking, elite universities, the big tech censorship regime, careerist politicians, the mainstream media, and all the people who say there's absolutely no problem in our elections and we don't need to even look to see if there's election fraud. How is it that all of those things align and that the voting base of the party that pushes all those things doesn't actually agree with any of them, but still votes for the Democrat Communist Party at a 90 to 95% clip. Can you explain that one, Kami? So it doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it, Kami? To keep telling everybody this, to keep telling everybody that they're all racist because they won't do what you say or say what you tell them to say. That kind of seems crazy, doesn't it? I mean, if one was to look at it objectively and not know anything about how not racist the Democrat Communist Party is, one might think, hey, this party is being led by a man who was mentored by a Klansman. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's, yep, that's that's definitely something, right? Led by a man who was mentored by a Klansman. Man, we are off to quite a start. Huh. So, and you're saying that their base doesn't agree with any of their policies. All right, all right, all right. Oh, so the base just votes for them because they say that they're helping that base all the time. So then the base is actually completely fooled about what the Democrat Communist Party represents and does. Is that what you're saying? 
Oh, it is. Okay. And so is the is the base then just broadly stupid or what is it? Okay, so they are. And you're saying that because all this is true, that black and and brown people, you're 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 saying they're stupid. And that's why they keep voting for these people. No matter how bad they do at their jobs, just because they keep saying that everything and everyone are racist, they keep the black and brown vote. That's what you're telling me. That's what I'm supposed to believe. And they're doing that because they're stupid. Okay, commie. Well, hey, it's your story. It's not my story. See, my story is the obvious truth that the Democrat Communist Party has been stealing people's votes for a very long time, and they do it the most in cities. And in fact, there's a long history of that. And there's a long history of the Democrat Communist Party stealing the votes of ethnic minorities within those cities. It's not even new. People used to joke about it. We know that the 1960 election was stolen in Chicago, don't we? Yes, we do know that. We do know it, Kami. I mean, I used to watch Chris Matthews on Hardball talk about how the Philadelphia Ward bosses, they used to be in charge of who won. Ah, the, send the Ward bosses out there. They'll get the job done. How did they get that job done, commies? They just went around and talked politely to people. They made the political argument. They told them, hey, I think this is in your best interest and you might want to look into it. Here's some reading material. I hope you take it seriously. But none of that matters. Everybody knows that the Democrat Communist Party is fully against racism. In fact, they are so against racism that they practice anti-racism, which is just racism, but the nice kind, which is why they write books promoting it as honestly the nice racism. And you have to divide people along racial lines so that you can know who to oppress in order to make up for prior oppression. And the thing is, you just don't oppress anyone who repeats the slogans and you're good to go. But I know, commies, even if there's some elaborate argument about how we're not racist, you can't believe it because you know that we're the stupid ones. And it makes sense. I know. I mean, we're not stupid enough to vote for an old, demented, pervert, and idiot whose son has laptop upon laptop missing with self-shot pornography and endless records of the Biden family's complicity in selling Joe's political office to foreign adversaries for decades for a gazillion dollars. We're not that kind of stupid, you know, and we're not the kind of stupid that would uh, promote this sort of man to a position like president, even though he has absolutely no capability of fulfilling his job functions whatsoever and do it strictly because we hate other people so much that even this seems good and then still justify our vote, even as this man 
brings our country to the brink of collapse. We're not that kind of stupid, but we are very stupid, right? That's what you're told. It makes sense because we don't even know how to repeat the things the television says. And that's what smart people do. We don't do any of those things. We don't often talk about how we know someone that went to an Ivy League school, even if it wasn't us. I mean, we are so stupid that we aren't even smart enough to be afraid of a disease that kills one in 1,000 people who get it, all of them being senior citizens with multiple comorbidities. We're not even smart enough to be scared of something that deadly. I mean, not quite as deadly as a normal flu, but totally very scary. We're not even smart enough to be scared of the very scary variants, you know, because we have this crazy idea based on all the history of virology that when a virus mutates, it mutates to become more transmissible and less deadly. That's the kind of stupid we are. We don't realize that the TV is right, even despite all the facts that we know. It's crazy. It's crazy. We're not scared of the Delta variant. We're not scared of the Lambda variant. We don't even accept that masks work strictly because there's no way that they can and that there's never been any proof or science suggesting that they do. How crazy is that? We're also so dumb that we don't believe lockdowns work. We don't believe that they were a good idea. We don't believe it was a positive thing that hundreds of millions of people got pushed into extreme poverty or that hundreds of thousands of people missed doctor's appointments and will now die because they were delayed in getting cancer screenings, stuff like that. We're so dumb that we don't think it was a positive development for the world that masks and lockdowns drop the average intelligence of the children of this country by 21 points in IQ. Isn't that crazy? How stupid are we? See, the thing is, Kami, if you've started to realize that all of these ideas are very, very bad and very dumb, and it's the problem of your side that your side is the one holding all of these very stupid and evil communist ideas, then maybe you're like, hey, you know what? I've had enough. I actually don't hate these people anymore. It turns out they got a thing or two right. And if you've reached that point, then maybe you are a redeemable communist. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Friday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, communists. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're thinking, oh, hey, maybe these Democrat Communist Party ideas aren't all they're cracked up to be. Maybe I shouldn't continue going around calling everyone else a Nazi while the people I support are implementing actual Nazism, which stunningly is exactly what I voted for. Have you realized that yet, Kami? Because it's true. Everybody was telling you last year. I know I was. I was telling a whole bunch of commies right to their stupid commie faces. Hey, commies, all these things you say you hate. Why are you supporting them? It couldn't be more obvious. It couldn't be more obvious that if you're supporting things like forced vaccination 
and vaccine passports and censorship, then you're the problem. That's really obvious. And if you've realized that and you are redeemable, you got to understand that so many of us have been where you are. I mean, we haven't taken it as far as you have into supporting actual Nazism, but all good. You know, if you've realized it and you want to get out of that back here in America, we will all accept your return. Okay, we want you to come back to America. The only thing you have to do is leave all the stupid and evil communist ideas behind. Just eradicate them, sweep them right out of your skull, replace them with a, you know, a goal for understanding a common humanity and understanding American ideals about freedom and liberty and personal responsibility and integrity and things like one person, one vote. And you are more than welcome to come back. We will all greet you with open arms. You might have to make some amends along the way because the truth is you did walk yourself into a hate movement and you did stay in it for an awfully long time. But if you can reconcile that and you can make it up to the people who you've wronged, then you will be welcome right back. So come on back, commies. That's what we want. You see, the narrative that has bit the dust today is one of the really most pernicious narratives you commies have tried this entire time. It's right up there with the covid response and with the election fraud. It's probably third on the list. And of course, I'm talking about the very violent insurrection on January 6th. You see, the reason I've always called it the very violent insurrection and made fun of it at every opportunity is because it was so obviously fake and staged and a bunch of people going to a building, walking around for a little while and then walking out when the president asks them to is exactly the opposite of an insurrection. And if it turns out that almost exclusively the only violence that was committed that day was committed on behalf of the Capitol Police and the FBI, then it's hard to call the insurrection a violent insurrection. And so when you compare it to the Civil War, rather than comparing it to when the Black Panthers staged an armed occupation of the Capitol in the middle of last century, or when the May 19th Communist Organization committed an actual bombing of the Capitol in 1983, and one of the women who helped to carry that out is named Susan Rosenberg, who now sits on the fiscal sponsor of Black Lives Matter, a group called Thousand Currents. Well, we might have questions about your sense of history. Or if it's not ignorance that you're going to excuse that with, then we would have to question whether or not you have any ability to tell the truth. And these would be valid questions, of course. So what we have is not a very violent insurrection. And what we have is not an insurrection. And what we have is not very violent. You see, no one was trying to overthrow the government and install a new government. No one was even really trying to stop the functioning of government as it's often claimed, 
People were really just there to show the number of people who did not want to see the Congress ratify the election of a total and complete fraud. And the nation knows it. Everybody knows it. I will get to that later as well. But let's just focus on the fact of the insurrection because we were told that this was domestic terrorism. And the communists have told us for the last nearly eight months now that anyone who supports the big lie is a domestic terrorist on the basis that if claims about the overwhelming and obvious evidence of election fraud are repeated, we might have another very violent insurrection. And let's be clear, for seven and a half months now, that has been the justification for the opposition to full forensic election audits. Audits threaten our faith in our democracy. They're tearing our democracy apart. And after our democracy is torn apart, well, we might have another very violent insurrection. That's what all those people believed, right? That was the the motivation for the very violent insurrection. Oh, wait a second, Kami. Today in Reuters, that whole narrative has completely fallen apart. This is from this morning. Exclusive. FBI finds scant evidence U.S. Capitol attack was coordinated. Oh, sources. This comes from sources. This is written by Mark Hosenball and Sarah N. Lynch. The FBI has found scant evidence that the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol was the result of an organized plot to overturn the presidential election result, according to four current and former law enforcement officials. Got that? There was no organized plot. Everybody could have told you that immediately since there was no organization of any plot and no plot and no desire to overturn the government at all. It wasn't even a plot to overturn the election result. It was literally just a protest so that the government would redress grievances. They were supposed to object to the election fraud. They were supposed to object to the election fraud in the proper venue for the objection to be heard. And that objection would be broadcast to the nation. The nation would hear the objections. The nation would see some portion, some small portion of the evidence. And the request was that the electors be sent back to their states for a 10 day review of the obvious and overwhelming evidence of election fraud. And that state legislatures send the electors to go cast their votes for the proper winner, who is quite obviously Donald Trump and not the fake president, Joe Biden. 
That's what people were there for, not to overturn the government and not to overturn the results of an election. Okay, the results of the election are that Donald Trump won. They wanted to uphold the results of the election as they were being overturned by the media and tech giants and corrupt politicians in the uniparty serving global communism. That's what they wanted. And they would have had that opportunity. The American people would have had the opportunity to see that evidence had the FBI not staged a very violent insurrection with Antifa. Back to the Reuters article. Though federal officials have arrested more than 570 alleged participants, the FBI at this point believes the violence was not centrally coordinated by far-right groups or prominent supporters of then-President Donald Trump, according to the sources, who have been either directly involved or briefed regularly on the wide-ranging investigations. 90 to 95 percent of these are one-off cases, said a former senior law enforcement official with knowledge of the investigation. Then you have 5 percent, maybe, of these militia groups that were more closely organized. But there was no grand scheme with Roger Stone and Alex Jones and all of these people to storm the Capitol and take hostages. Oh, well, that sounds crazy. How did the television not tell us that? Stone, a veteran Republican operative and self-described dirty trickster, and Jones, founder of a conspiracy-driven radio show and webcast, are both allies of Trump and had been involved in pro-Trump events in Washington on January 5th, the day before the riot, which I guess is the same as coordinating a very violent insurrection. FBI investigators did find that cells of protesters, including followers of the far right Oath Keepers and Proud Boys groups, had aimed to break into the Capitol. But they found no evidence that the groups had serious plans about what to do if they made it inside, the sources said. And strangely, they didn't even have to break in because it turns out that the Capitol Police opened up the barricades and opened up the doors and then welcomed them inside where the Capitol Police also had totally polite and civil conversations with the people inside the Capitol. How's that one happen, commie? Harrowing scenes from the U.S. Capitol siege. Oh, this harrowing scene they have. Oh, it's so very harrowing. It's a guy standing on a statue while other people mill around. Prosecutors have filed conspiracy charges against 40 of those defendants, alleging that they engaged in some degree of planning before the attack. Ooh, they allege that one Proud Boy leader recruited members and urged them to stockpile bulletproof vests and other military style equipment in the weeks before the attack. And on January 6th, sent members forward with a plan to split into groups and make multiple entries into the Capitol. My God, the horror. How could they? One Proud Boy leader, eh? Was it Enrique Tarrio? Or was it another Proud Boy leader who is also an FBI informant? I bet it's Tarrio. 
So far, prosecutors have steered clear of more serious, politically loaded charges that the sources said had been initially discussed by prosecutors, such as seditious conspiracy or racketeering. And isn't that strange? Why haven't they put out any charges against anyone for insurrection or sedition or racketeering or any of this other stuff? They've charged people with like trespassing and with attempting to disrupt a government function. I forget the exact wording. Equally ridiculous. The FBI's assessment could prove relevant for a congressional investigation that also aims to determine how that day's events were organized and by whom. Oh, yes, it's going to upset the congressional investigation. And when they realize that their whole story is falling apart, what will they do? I would bet they'll cry. (laughs) They'll cry in public. The Adams will cry. The fake police officers will cry. All of them will cry. I was promised book deals in a television show. That's what that guy, uh, what is his name? Like Michael Fanone. I keep, uh, I keep mixing him up with, uh, Joey fat one who was like in one of those boy bands. I think is, I think they say his name is, is Joey Fatone, but I mean, his name is fat one and he was the fat one. Senior lawmakers have been briefed in detail on the results of the FBI's investigation so far and find them credible. (laughs) A Democratic congressional source said, we believe the FBI's investigation so far has been very credible, even though they have just said that their entire investigation so far was not credible. But we're going to move ahead with our investigation just the same. The chaos on January 6th erupted as the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives met to certify Joe Biden's victory in November's presidential election. It was the most violent attack on the Capitol since the War of 1812, forcing lawmakers and Trump's own vice president, Mike Pence, to scramble for safety. Four people died and another died the following day and more than 100 police officers were injured. Oh, well, that's interesting. Are they sure about all that? Wasn't it six or seven? And wasn't the one who died the following day originally the guy that died that day because he was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher? Oh, no, he died from natural causes the next day, but were still caused on the day of the insurrection because of bear spray. Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't the bear spray either. It was just natural causes the day after. And those natural causes were two strokes at the age of 40. And he definitely did not get killed by Hillary Clinton or anyone around her. And one of the deaths, I believe, was Ashley Babbitt. She was shot by a Capitol Police officer named Michael Byrd, even though they won't release his name. And even though Michael Byrd was somehow still in Nancy Pelosi's little uh, Praetorian guard after having abandoned his firearm in the shitter. So you know that he was very high level, that sort of guy. And he definitely didn't abandon the firearm on purpose. And it definitely isn't a threat to everyone in the Capitol that Nancy Pelosi's Praetorian Guard leaves their firearm in the bathroom by accident. So that's no big deal. And yeah, there was a lady that was uh, trampled to death or was she beaten to death? Because the video shows that it seems like she was beaten to death by who? Oh, the Capitol Police officer. But that's crazy. 
Now, can the Capitol Police officers be FOIA'd? Can the public actually ever know what the Capitol Police officers do? No, they can't. But let's just take Reuters word for it and move on because everybody knows that people died in the very deadly insurrection. Trump made an incendiary speech at a nearby rally shortly before the riot, repeating false claims that the 2020 election was stolen and urging supporters to march on the Capitol to pressure lawmakers and reject Biden's victory, except for the fact that what he actually said was let's peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol and make our voices heard. That sounds kind of different. Is that incendiary? That sounds decendiary. Don't even know if that's a word. Don't care. I'm really just responding to a complete and total farce of an article replete with lies. So I don't need to respond to that with real words. It doesn't even warrant it. Is decendiary a real word? We'll never know. In public comments last month to the Democrat-led Congressional Committee formed to investigate the violence, police officers injured in the mayhem urged lawmakers to determine whether Trump helped instigate it. Some Democrats say have said they wanted him to testify. Okay, so the entire purpose of that investigation was to urge the lawmakers to determine whether Trump helped instigate it. And how could he have done that since it's clearly not a coordinated plan to take over the government? But the FBI has so far found no evidence that he or people directly around him were involved in organizing the violence, according to the four current and former law enforcement officials. How odd. So you mean that they didn't need to uh, stage a second fake impeachment over this? Friar Cuck, Jamie Raskin, did not need to repeat at every single possible occasion since January 6th that the president did all of these things. His whole made up story now just what? Becomes relegated to the dustbin of history? Of course not. They'll keep saying it doesn't matter at all. That's the advantage of these sorts of stories. Okay. The FBI gets to put this information out and it won't change a damn thing for most of the commies. Now, there's probably a little slice in there of redeemable commies who will see this or more likely get it shown to them by a patriotic American. And they'll be like, hey, commie, didn't you call this domestic terrorism? Don't you think that everyone who believes that the election was obviously stolen? Aren't they all domestic terrorists? Aren't you calling them domestic terrorists based on this idea that has now been refuted by the FBI? That is what you're doing, isn't it, Kami? Or is it just that you like calling people racists and stupid and domestic terrorists because you're in a hate movement? It's the second one, isn't it, Kami? More than 170 people have been charged so far with assaulting or impeding a police officer, according to the Justice Department. That carries a maximum sentence of 20 years. Got that? They're talking about handing people 20 year sentences for the FBI staging an insurrection. 
But one source said there has been little, if any, recent discussion by senior Justice Department officials of filing charges such as seditious conspiracy to accuse defendants of trying to overthrow the government. They have also opted not to bring racketeering charges, often used against organized criminal gangs. Senior officials had discussed filing such charges in the weeks after the attack, the sources said. So the Democrat Communist Party has taken us past, far past the point of innocent until proven guilty. Now you are straight up guilty without even being charged because at one point they discussed charges. Therefore, you are guilty. Therefore, everyone else who can see the obvious and overwhelming evidence of election fraud is also guilty in a very violent insurrection. This is where we are right now. These people are morons. Prosecutors have also not brought charges, alleging that any individual or group played a central role in organizing or leading the riot. That's because they don't want to charge the FBI and Antifa. Law enforcement sources told Reuters no such charges appeared to be pending. Conspiracy charges that have been filed allege that defendants discussed their plans in the weeks before the attack and worked together on the day itself. But prosecutors have not alleged that this activity was part of a broader plot. Some federal judges and legal experts have questioned whether the Justice Department is letting defendants off too lightly. Judge Beryl Howell in July asked prosecutors to explain why one defendant was allowed to plead to a misdemeanor charge carrying a maximum sentence of six months rather than a more serious felony charge. Spokespeople for the Justice Department and U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, which is leading the January 6th prosecutions, declined to comment. The Congressional Committee investigating the attack will talk with the FBI and other agencies as part of its probe. And that's the end of the article. That is all we need to know. And... The cognitive dissonance of the Democrat Communist Party media, the state media, is on display once again. All right. They tell you throughout that article that the basis of every single one of the charges, the entire narrative has completely collapsed. But then they say, oh, well, there are also people who believe that they're all getting off too lightly. What? You just told us that none of the stuff you were saying about these people was true at all. But you're also wondering if they're getting off too lightly. So it wasn't a conspiracy to overthrow the government. It wasn't a very violent insurrection and it wasn't domestic terrorism. But shouldn't we charge them with it anyway? Now, Darren Beatty was on War Room this morning, and he has another piece coming up on this. You see, Darren Beatty's reporting is what made this narrative begin to unravel a few months ago because he pointed out that the unindicted co-conspirators in all of these cases were pretty clearly FBI agents or assets or their little Antifa clowns. And what they're trying to do now is actually protect their own sources, their own agents and their own uh, informants within these extremist groups. 
Speedy tweeted this this morning. Before taking a victory lap here, understand what the feds are doing with this admission. This Fed announcement is 100% about the FBI getting an excuse to justify kneecapping their quote unquote investigations into militia leadership. All right. So if you accept their original story as true and you are doing a proper investigation of this event, right? The very violent insurrection, that event and everything that surrounds it, then you will eventually get all the way back to the FBI because the FBI's agents and informants, their people embedded in these extremist groups, the people that actually make these groups extreme, the people that encourage and coordinate the violence. Those people are FBI assets and you can see them. There's pictures of them from January 5th and January 6th. One of them, Ray Epps, is in a video trying to rile people up to commit violence. And right next to him is John Sullivan, the little Antifa FBI asset who was in the Capitol filming the next day so that he could sell his footage to mainstream media sources, which happened. And now he's had to return that money. All of that is real. Okay, so any thorough investigation of this incident would lead the FBI right back to itself. Now, they can't afford to do that, can they? Because the thing is, they need to stage other very violent insurrections all over the country. In fact, yesterday, they just staged two bomb scares. One of them was right outside the Library of Congress. Some douchebag sat in his truck for a while saying he had bombs. He put out some statement on Facebook Pretending to be a Trump supporter, everybody takes it very, very seriously. And it turns out that it's nothing. Same time, there's a bomb scare in New York. They go with that for a little while, and then that turns into nothing as well. Remember how just last week, as the cyber symposium began, they put out stories of a fake school shooting? How many... Of these obvious false flags, are we supposed to fall for? And what happens if the FBI actually investigated itself and the entire country knew, oh, hey, yeah, it's mostly FBI agents in these extremist organizations. The Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters, are they even real or are they just constructs that the FBI has set up to turn ignorant and mentally debilitated Americans into patsies into the avatar of a hate movement that by and large does not exist. The only hate movement in this country is in the Democrat communist party. In fact, it's all of the Democrat communist party and it's the Democrat communist party in its formal construction. Okay. It's not just extremists outside the party. It is the party proper. It is a formalized hate movement, and it has been from the beginning. There is a reason that the Democrat Party is the party of the KKK and the party of Jim Crow and the party of American Nazism and communism. It is all real. It is all the same thing. And it is not in the American conservative movement at all. 
And so I would expect BD's next piece to nail down that part of it, because what we can see is a corrupt DOJ exposing itself. And, you know, this is one of those good times to remember for all the people out there who think that there's no plan, nothing is happening, and that Trump completely blew it by ever leaving office, that the military could have just swept in and convinced everybody, everyone would have accepted it, and life would have just gone on as normal with Trump staying in office because he legitimately won the election. I look at stuff like this and think, okay, let's say you're right. Then how do we get rid of this problem? How do we get rid of the problem posed by a Department of Justice who is more than happy to manipulate and frame normal American citizens for crimes against the country so that they can achieve political motives. You know, how do we catch this stuff without this long period of all these people continually exposing themselves? I don't see how that happens, man. I really don't. I don't see how we get to the bottom of all this election fraud. I don't see how we get to the bottom of who all the people in each state who are preventing the election fraud from being exposed. I don't see how we get there. And if you can't get there, then you can't pull the problem out by the roots. And if you can't get the roots, that's how communism stays in the country. And it just sits there and it festers and it festers until it creeps back in to all of the different institutions in the country. And we get right back here where we are now. And, you know, maybe that's just the cycle of things. Maybe it's ultimately impossible to get rid of all the communism. Because ultimately, communism is a philosophy. And there are going to be really lazy, evil, anti-human people out there, probably forever, who think about communism and all its variations and think, yeah, that could work. How do we ever get rid of it? I'm not sure we can. But for now, we should be happy, as frustrating and painful as these months have been, we should be happy that stuff like this is getting exposed. All right. Like we get TV show after TV show that makes it look like the FBI are all heroic. And by the way, I'm sure there are plenty of FBI agents who are, I'm not trying to denigrate them in any way, but the organization at its top levels seems rotten to the core. It's pretty obvious that the CIA is the same way. It's pretty obvious that the Capitol Police are the same way. It's pretty obvious that the Democrat Communist Party is the same way, that the RNC is the same way. All of these different institutions have been corrupted and taken over and infiltrated by these global communists. And it is extremely dangerous. It's wonderful if we're able to wipe that all out in one fell swoop and then hopefully put actual American patriots who take their job seriously and want to serve the American people back in a position where they can do that. So Congressman Matt Gates actually replied to the Darren Beatty tweet. He said, very important. The game you're watching isn't the game being played. FBI doesn't exonerate people, especially Stone and Jones types. Today's narrative change is all 
about protecting FBI assets in militia groups who animated the acuity of criminality on January 6th. How many, Director Ray? Great tweet. I cannot wait to get to the bottom of this. And Darren Beatty is going to do it. And hopefully Matt Gates will participate. But Darren Beatty is as badass as reporters get. That guy does not care. He's going to say it. He's going to find what he needs to find. And he's going to say what he needs to say. That guy is awesome. And if you're not a regular reader of revolver.news, you should be. Now, let's switch subjects to the Arizona audit because we are fast approaching the day when we will get to see it. Now, there's rumors right now that the preliminary report might be released today, that we might see something today. I kind of don't think so. I've also seen reports that it's coming next week, and I've seen reports that it's coming the first week of September. The final report, that would be the final report. But we know it's coming soon. And we know that every time there's a hint that that report is imminent, we get a spate of false flags. All right. The last thing the communists want is anyone's eyes on the election fraud issue and the Arizona audit in particular. Politico today ran an article called Arizona Bracing for Impact of Trump Driven Election Report. The subheadline is two prominent Arizona officials, one Democrat and one Republican, released lengthy pre-buttles on the eve of the Cyber Ninjas report to the GOP-controlled state Senate. Now, again, that is predicting that the report comes today, or maybe they're using Eve loosely, and they mean it's about to happen. But this is by Zach Montalaro, and it was filed last night. The controversial Arizona 2020 election review is almost over, but top officials in the state's largest county and secretary of state's office aren't waiting for the conclusions, launching a pair of preemptive strikes against a report that could land as soon as next week. Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, a Democrat, released a prebuttal laying out all of her office's criticisms of the so-called election audit. She detailed the pre and post election testing election equipment underwent in Maricopa County and called the state Senate led effort, quote, secretive and disorganized end quote that routinely discarded best practices of an actual audit. Okay. So let's remember for the right framing of that phrase by Katie Hobbs. She has continually this entire time referred to best practices of an audit being the practices that are outlined in the state's guidelines for things like risk limiting audits and recounts of samples from the election. Okay. There is no guideline for the best practices of a full forensic audit. That is not something the states do or deal with. If they're saying there was an audit, they are lying. Okay. If they're saying there was a recount, they are lying. They know that both of those words make the audience imagine that something thorough happened when it did not. Okay. They take samples of ballots, very small samples from different precincts, 
and they look over those samples to see if there were any problems. And then they extrapolate and say, well, no, no problems here. So don't worry about it. They don't audit the machines. They don't do anything. They just recertify the machines and they tell everybody that there's no way whatsoever that those machines could ever be online. All credible audits are characterized by controls, access and transparency that allow for the processes and procedures to be replicated if necessary. Hobbs office wrote. As this report has described, the review conducted by the Senate's contractors has consistently lacked all three of these factors. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so controls. What does she mean? Access. What does she mean? Transparency. What does she mean? All of those were fully open by the auditors. Katie Hobbs could have been at that audit every single day. The audit was filmed and broadcast online 24-7 from all sorts of angles. They tried to make that audit absolutely as airtight and transparent as possible so that when they take it to a court, no one could doubt the process at any step, right? That is what they were going for. And by all accounts, that's what they've achieved. Katie Hobbs is attacking that directly because were she to tell the truth about this, she would have no case whatsoever. The Maricopa County audit performed by the cyber ninjas is as transparent as can be. Katie Hobbs, on the other hand, is so lacking in transparency that I could guarantee you she would not even get in front of a camera and tell the truth about what the risk limiting audit they perform even does. Because if she described that accurately to the people interested in this issue, absolutely zero of them would trust that an audit has been performed. And Stephen Richer, the Republican County recorder in Maricopa County on Thursday issued a lengthy report of his own in the form of an open letter to state Republicans challenging the credentials of the reviewers and defending his own Republican bona fides. I will keep fighting for conservatism, and there are many things I would do for the Republican candidate for president, but I won't lie about the election, and I will not unjustifiably turn my back on the employees of the Board of Supervisors, Recorder's Office, and Elections Department, my colleagues and friends, he wrote. Oh, you're so honorable. Since late April, contractors hired by the Republican-controlled state Senate have been reviewing all the ballots cast in Maricopa County, which President Joe Biden won en route to flipping the state, along with examining election equipment. The process was initially supposed to take 60 days, but has stretched on well past that. Julie Fisher, a deputy Senate liaison for the effort, told Politico that the contractor's report, the firm leading the effort is called Cyber Ninjas, is expected to be submitted to the uh, state Senate on Monday, and a hearing will be scheduled after that. Election officials in the state have opposed it nearly every step of the way, including Richer, Hobbs, and the GOP-controlled Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. The only thing that has been consistent about this endeavor has been missed deadlines and having to walk back statements, Richer said at a Thursday press briefing organized by the Center for Election Innovation and Research, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization 
that works with election administrators. Please look into it before taking whatever the cyber ninjas produce as gospel. Okay, I'll look into it. Here we go. This article is from Breitbart, and it came out on May 30th, 2021. Zuckerbucks corrupted the 2020 election for big tech. Okay, this is from that article. The second group receiving Zuckerberg election funds, the Center for Election Innovation and Research, spent sixty nine and a half million dollars in 23 states. Its funding was inequitably distributed to aid battleground states. More than half of CEIR grants were distributed to just four swing states, $13.2 million to Pennsylvania, $11.9 million to Michigan, $5.6 million to Georgia, and $4.8 million to Arizona. Got that? Mark Zuckerberg spent $4.8 million in Arizona. This is just one of the groups that Zuckerberg was funding. And the group is called the Center for Election Innovation and Research. Now, if the Center for Election Innovation and Research sounds familiar, it's because I read it just one minute ago. Richer said Thursday at a press briefing organized by the Center for Election Innovation and Research. Isn't that so great that Mark Zuckerberg's vote cheating company put on this press briefing for Republican Stephen Richer. I love when organizations like Politico try to, for their commie audience, make this stuff sound more legitimate by naming these nonprofit, nonpartisan groups. They're like, oh, well, if the nonprofit, nonpartisan Center for Election Innovation and Research put on this press briefing, I suppose that this Republican Stephen Richer can be trusted. Except it's Mark Zuckerberg. It's just Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook had this idiot go out and try to refute the Arizona audit, even though they have no idea what the Arizona audit was going to say. It's to the point right now between Katie Hobbs and Stephen Richer and the clownishly stupid and corrupt Maricopa County Board of Supervisors that if the auditors actually came out and said, we found no problems whatsoever, who do you believe at that point? The state Senate calls the cyber ninjas work an audit in quotes, a label almost universally rejected by election officials and experts because the Arizona effort has poorly defined processes and an embrace of conspiracy theories about the 2020 election. Again, that is the cognitive dissonance of the state media on display. Okay. There is no conspiracy theory. If it turns out that the auditors found rampant, overwhelming, obvious evidence of election fraud. And it is reported that that's exactly what they have found. Remember, they don't even have the 2.1 million ballots. It's off by more than the amount of pretend votes that Joe Biden pretends to have won by. From the jump, the review in Arizona has been plagued by disorganization and infighting. No. Cyber Ninja's owner is a supporter of former President Donald Trump and has promoted conspiracy theories about the election or just the truth. 
Officials have said they were checking for bamboo fibers in ballots, a nod to a fringe theory that ballots were smuggled in from Asia. Oh, what happens if that fringe theory is correct? Do I know it will be? No. Do I have good reason to suspect it is? Yup. Because that story is more than just, yeah, there's bamboo in the paper because it's Asian. It has been funded by a nonprofit run by a correspondent for the far right One America News Network and a former tech CEO who has poured millions into promoting Trump's lies about the election. It's amazing that Politico can just write all this stuff, even though they have no idea whether or not it's true. Hobbs, who is also running for governor next year, was critical of the Cyber Ninjas led effort in an interview earlier this week. She is running for governor as payment for her corruption right now. All right. If she gets through this and election fraud stays in place, then Katie Hobbs would be installed through election fraud as the next governor of Arizona. That is beyond doubt. This isn't a real audit, Hobbs said noting that the schedule for the Arizona review has constantly shifted. That is not the standard of what constitutes a real audit. It's so funny how mad they are about the schedule changing, though. It really is amazing. We're sort of just bracing for impact for the Cyber Ninja's conclusions. That's what she said. In her prebuttal, her office wrote that any outcomes or conclusions that are reported from the state Senate's process must be disregarded and called on the state's political leaders to, quote, proclaim that the 2020 general election was fair and accurate. Got that? So the audit can't produce a legitimate result. But what can produce a fair and legitimate result? A proclamation by corrupt politicians that the election was fair and accurate. Other elections experts have previously torn into the Arizona Review as unprofessionally run, including a report from former Kentucky Secretary of State, Trey Grayson, a Republican, and Barry Burden, the director of the Elections Research Center at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Oh, I guess that means it's true. But how do they know? Because the process hasn't been transparent. Right, commies? Which one is it? If it's not transparent, then these guys don't have the access to know this, do they? The Cyber Ninjas review suffers from a variety of maladies. Uncompetitive contracting. Oh, nope. Last week, they just said that they had reached out to the big auditing firms in the country and all of them refused to participate in the audit. So how are you supposed to get competitive contracting? A lack of impartiality and partisan balance. Well, that doesn't matter, does it? If everything is on camera. A faulty ballot review process. Nope. Inconsistency in procedures. Also, nope. An unacceptably high level of error built into the process. How do they know that? And insufficient security. Well, that also is impossible because it was guarded 24-7 and on camera 24-7. What about that level of security could possibly be insufficient? That's how they guard banks and military installations. I mean, what are we talking about here? Grayson and Burden wrote in their June report, 
because it lacks the essential elements of a bona fide post-election analysis. The review currently underway in Maricopa County will not produce findings that should be trusted. You can only trust the ones that go by the state's guidelines and those state's guidelines are produced by corrupt politicians who benefit from election fraud. That's the only way you can trust it. Don't you know? The Republican-controlled county board has also been engaged in a protracted battle with the state Senate. The board and Dominion Voting Systems, the election vendor for the county, has refused to comply with recent subpoenas from the legislature, effectively daring the state Senate to find the board in contempt, with some Republicans in the closely divided chamber saying they don't support the cyber ninjas-led review. So what? Right? So what? They're daring them to find them in contempt. The other day, they just wrote back to the attorney general and said that they are not doing anything else. And they think the attorney general should take no further action against them. They asked nicely. So please do what they say. That's their argument. The county board has said this week it wants the state Senate to pay two point eight million dollars to replace voting machines. The state subpoenaed the county leased new machines after Hobbs said the old machines would be decertified because of chain of custody issues. All right. So if that's true, if it's possible that the auditors did something to these machines, even though everything that happened with these machines was on camera the whole time, then what does the certification process of the machines as outlined in the state's regulations do in the first place? All right. If those certificate, if that certification process can't determine that the machines are usable, then what does the certification process do? Sounds like nothing. It also comes amid significant national pushback against the post-election audit movement. At a meeting of the nation's secretaries of state last weekend, election officials overwhelmingly approved a set of guidelines for post-election audits. Now, I haven't gone over this story this week, but you can find it in the information stream. The National Association of Secretaries of State got together and passed all sorts of guidelines, not laws, guidelines that make it difficult for audits like the one in Maricopa County to be performed. Remember, the National Association of Secretaries of State is not just some official group with good motivations. These are the same people that worked with uh, SKD Knickerbocker and the tech companies to censor political speech of American citizens, including me. And all of that came out in the Judicial Watch FOIA of what the California Secretary of State's office was doing. And by the way, that California Secretary of State at the time is Alex Padilla, who has now taken over Kamala Harris's uh, Senate seat because she became fake vice president. So this group of the nation's secretaries of state is just as corrupt as all this other bullshit. Many of the guidelines read as implicit rebukes of the Arizona process. There you go, including definitive timelines and only allowing, quote, a federally or state accredited test lab to perform any audit of voting machine hardware or software. Exactly. They have to have it done by accredited groups that they can trust are just as corrupt as they are. The Justice Department also issued guidance late last month saying some post-election audits could run afoul of federal law. And of course, 
that has gone nowhere as well because they were completely out of line in their guidance. State legislatures set election laws, not groups of secretaries of state and not the Department of Justice. Trump and his supporters have eagerly been awaiting the conclusion of the review in Arizona and will likely use whatever the findings are to advance his baseless claims the election was stolen from him. During a July speech in the state, Trump said the process in the state would ultimately reveal that we won by a lot and this is only the beginning of the irregularities the Arizona audit is uncovering. He's right about both, which means the claims are not baseless. In parentheses, there's no legal process to transfer the state's 11 electoral votes to his tally. Ah, so what, commies? Trump has encouraged his followers to try to export the Maricopa Review to other states. Republican lawmakers in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin have tried to launch their own, but neither has gotten the traction of Arizona. Ben Ginsburg, a prominent Republican elections lawyer who has spoken out about the efforts to undermine faith in the American democracy following the 2020 election, said he hoped the Cyber Ninjas report would land without making much noise and could quell the movement. Once they can't be backed up, then that will be an object lesson to other states not to go down that perilous path of basically losing your credibility, he said at the briefing. I love these people. They always put words that couch what they're saying. They're always like, yeah, basically, it's sort of going to be like that. <laughs> yeah, you're so credible. And Richard concurred. The cyber ninjas have been out there in common parlance <laughs> for about four months, and we haven't seen this in other states. Oh, the county elections official responded, praising the work of Arizona journalists and election officials in the states. If we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit here. Yeah, sure you can, Steve. At least one of those efforts outside of Arizona appears to be withering. Pennsylvania State Senate uh, Senator Doug Mastriano, an ally of Trump who is considering a gubernatorial run next year, sought to launch his own investigation. But on Thursday, Mastriano sounded discouraged about the effort on a since-deleted Facebook live stream. The Pennsylvania Capital Star reported, We're not in a very good spot right now, he said. I put my name out there to get it done, and I've been stopped for the time being. And he's been saying this all along because Jake Corman and other Pennsylvania Republican officials have been stopping that process because they're corrupt. Even so, some election security experts said this is likely not the end of questionable reviews of the 2020 election. I'm a little less sanguine about that as I see ongoing efforts across the country said the Center for Election Innovation and Research's David Becker. I think we're going to need to be continually vigilant. Yes, Dave, you're going to have to be continually vigilant to uphold Mark Zuckerberg's treason and theft of the 2020 election through fraud. Yes, you will, because it's coming to get you. It is unbelievable that Politico can write such nonsense. And it's unbelievable to me that Katie Hobbs and Stephen Richer think that their pre-buttles, which are basically just summaries of every one of their panicky CNN appearances, that these will actually convince anybody. These are not convincing. They're nonsense. And I'm so happy that Politico is joining in their panic. I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. 
They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. 
And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!